What up? My name is Jesse Rivera, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. Today on the podcast, my guest is Mr. Anthony K from Modesto. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Everybody knows him as Anthony K. You could Google him. Just Google Anthony K. Comedian. Pops right up. All of his information comes up. He has a, a like an hour-long special that you can watch on YouTube that I'll put a link to at the end of this. Um, so check him out. He's super funny. Uh, before I get into the podcast, though, uh, I'm in uh, Chico tonight. Uh with the uh, with the Road Dogs, Johnny Taylor and Keith Lowell Jensen, and Ms. Tina San Lucas uh, at the Blue Room Theater, a show put on by Mr. Dylan Collins. That guy grinds, man. And then on uh, Thursday, I will be at uh, the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Well, we, Telenovela, will be at the Sacramento Comedy Spot on Thursday with the uh, show-offs, the other team that will be performing with us. On Thursday, uh, last time I called them fancy pants for some reason. I don't know. Uh, my male lady is coming up, so you might hear my, my dog barking because it's a beautiful Saturday and my dog is outside. And I'm inside editing podcasts and uh, conserving my energy for tonight. Uh, driving up to Chico, like I said. Oh, Thursday, uh, Sacramento Comedy Spot with a telenovela. And then Saturday night, finally, Saturday, March the 7th. The return of the telenovela variety show to Luna's Cafe. We will be at Luna's Cafe Saturday night, 8 p.m. Tickets are just 10 bucks, and you will get to see Alicia Davis, Tina San Lucas, and Johnny Taylor. What a freaking lineup. And then we take a short break so that you can go to the bathroom. You can order yourself a beer. You can order some Yada shows. You could go outside, have yourself a smoke, and then come back inside and tell a novella. We'll do a brand new, never seen before episode of an improvised Spanish style soap opera, and we will have a blast. Then, after that, the party's not done because at 10 30, we're doing a live comic talk podcast from the Sacramento Comedy Spot. And this Saturday night at 10 30 p.m., Sacramento Comedy Spot. Comic Talk Live, my guests, comics, and interviewees will be Emma Haney and Becky Lynn. Dude, I'm so stoked for this show. You have no idea. So, going to be a big week, and we're kicking it off tonight. Oh, speaking of Johnny Taylor and Keith Lowell Jensen, let me give them a plug real quick. They are having their uh, uh, Road Dogs show at the uh, Sacramento Punchline. It's their birthday uh, show. That's what it is. Road Dogs, Keith Lowe Jensen, and Johnny Taylor birthday show Wednesday, March the 4th at 8 p.m. at the Sacramento Punchline. Everybody's going to be there, and then we're hanging out afterwards. And there better be cake, because it's a birthday. Damn it, I'll bring you the cake. If, uh, there better be cake, is all I'm saying, because it's a birthday. So, anyway, without much further ado, uh, my conversation with Anthony K. And uh, to kick off this uh, conversation, I am slipping in one of Anthony K.'s jokes at the very beginning. And it's a short one. It's just over a minute long. And then uh, this is actually my longest interview uh, so far. Uh, Anthony is a really great guy. dude. He's been doing comedy for 10 years. And he's got great perspective. And he's got a great attitude. I mean, he's, he's been doing it so long that he, he sees through all the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And um, 
He's a real good guy. Uh, music fanatic. We had some great chats about, well, you'll see. Um, and by the end, you'll obviously know who uh, Anthony's favorite rapper is. So without further ado, uh, please enjoy my conversation. Uh, started off with this joke by Mr. Uh, Anthony K. Peace. I want to tell it to people from the Bay Area because uh, some people don't know about Modesto. When they first come in, my Modesto people already know about this. You can disregard this entire message, okay? My people from the Bay Area, if you just got here, our ghettos are not clearly marked, okay? They're not clearly marked. It's not just an eclipse. I'm going to give you some tips, though, to help you out, all right? Uh, if you wander into a neighborhood and there's no longer sidewalks, get the fuck out of there, okay? Because... The city has given up on even just cementing. They're like, we don't have enough cement for humans. We <laughs> pay taxes. They're like, nah, fuck up. Here's another tip. If you go into a neighborhood and you see chickens and pit bulls hanging out together, <laughs> get the fuck. It's not homeward bound. This is, <laughs> there's some shit going down in that neighborhood. If your Google Maps says airport district, just leave your car there because you're already dead. It doesn't matter. What are you doing there? Uh, your mic not be, might not be on. Testing. One, there two, you go. There it is. Now you're on, right? Yep. I got What's it. What's up? What's up? You've done a podcast before too, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very inconsistent. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the problem. We we did one for... Oh, is it cutting out? It's the... It's the splitter, yeah. It's this. It's not that the recording's I bad. got you. Okay, the yeah. recording's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we. I did pretend. I mean, me and my buddy Chris Teixeira, who's a comic as well. He's from Antica. Um, we were doing pretending to care for. We were doing that like eight years ago, seven years ago. We were doing. A, we did a lot of episodes of that one. We were very uh-huh. consistent, and then just I don't know. Life gets in the way. People get lazy. I don't know. We That's the thing about anymore. like doing a podcast because I, I I kicked around the idea it's of a just, podcast for a long time and like. You know, different people would come and go, but like, oh, we're going to do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And like, I just got tired of waiting for people and I just jumped in and I just did it, you know? And I just learned as I go. Yeah, just go. Yeah. Just, just do go. It. Exactly. Just go. It doesn't, I mean, the worst that's going to happen is no one listens. Who gives a shit? And that hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> people listen. People listen. Even yeah. if it's only five people, it doesn't, it, it doesn't yeah, matter. hundred people, people. It listen. doesn't matter. People listen. And uh, so. And I feel they're getting better every time. I'm learning a little bit more each and every time. I'm like, why does it sound like that? Or what was different about the room that day? Or like, what did I do? Did I drink coffee that day? You know? Yeah, it's like anything. It has a learning curve. Yeah. So um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I've even brought in a a co-host on a a couple of episodes I did this weekend. And I I really like that because it gave me like, you always run into a point in the conversation where you're like, what was I thinking? But you can't take that break to think. So kind of like a mediator. Yeah, and kind of like it's one person. That's, the other person will ask a question, and you quickly look something up. Oh, it was this movie? You know? Do you do you smoke weed? Yes, I do. That's what it is. Okay, so you have that memory loss shit. You like you reach for words or reach for memory sometimes. Yep, I do that shit. Yeah, it happens. It sucks. That's why I'm trying to cut down on smoking weed so that I can get my thoughts back. I usually don't like. I'll even take that into consideration of like not smoking before I do an interview anymore. But yeah, it, it doesn't always hold true. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. No, yeah, because there's still effects. If yeah. you smoke, oh, yeah, you yeah. smoke every day? Yep. Okay, well, then there you go. Yeah, it's not like... It's a part ex- of you. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's a part of you. I'm like, no, but it's only no. You're right. It's all the time. Yeah. yeah, I was I was smoking every day for a long time. I mean, I smoke today, so I guess I can't. But like, I'll go in and out. Like, I'll I'll smoke sometimes. But I didn't start smoking until I was thirty. Mm. Well, like you're that. only like thirty two. Yeah. yeah, but but you know what I mean. So I'm still new to this whole kind of cannabis. Did you start smoking weed because you quit something else? Yeah, I yeah. quit drinking. Oh, okay. And then I went to weed instead. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do. Yeah. And it's a more, it's just because you're still an, like, you're still an addict, essentially. You're still looking for something to feel, but you go with that because right. it's a better, you don't, you don't really have the hangovers, but you do, I, I, or at least me personally, I get the fogginess or the memory loss for sure. Right. How has that affected like with your writing? Or were you always like a, like a pen to paper type of writer? No. I just write down ideas. Okay. And then I just go. Like and then the, I could... work them on stage. Mm. So I just let it bomb and I just I just eat it. Right. And, and have you always been that way? Since I started. Do you think more people were that way? Okay, so here's a question. Like, um, I, I go to a bunch of open mics and I see people putting uh, notes in their phones, right? Yeah. Do you think that um, back when you started out about 10 years ago, do mm. you think more people were just going from memory because they didn't want to carry a notebook around? And they didn't, and we didn't have phones yet. We were just like writing notes in our phones. No, I think it's just a preferred style. A lot of people I knew had notebooks. Yeah, it's preferred style. And I think I've just never been, I've never been a great writer in anything. I've never written, like, I've never been the type of person that like sits down, I I write five pages and then I've never done that. I'm only now starting to try that. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm trying to like sit there and I had a friend tell me, just write out the bits you already do that are polished. Right. And then look at them that way. Uh-huh. And then, but it just, I'm just so big on like energy in the room. Yeah, yeah. I'm so big on people understanding me or not. So, and if they don't, then it's kind of like, okay, I have all these other, I have this other t- tool set I can use. So when you, when you go do a show, are you already thinking of like what, what set you want to do for that night? Or do you let roughly, the set, yes. or do you let the set build itself based on the energy in the room? Both. Both? Yeah, I have a game plan coming in. Right. But if if I can sense the room or what it my my vibe will kind of because I'll depend on how they kind of depends on how they are. Right. Because if they're really like, OK, so what you're saying about like open mics, I've done. I mean, I did a lot of open mics starting, but to be honest, I was a bit spoiled because being in a small town, we had crowds at our open mics. I had mm. an open mic that I ran every Tuesday night. My first year doing comedy, I was already hosting an open mic. I was about to ask how long did it take to get to the yeah. a year and, and it, within a couple months. Right, just because there was nobody to do it, right? And you were consistent. Yes, and I was consistent every Tuesday. And it was, we had a group of 40 people that would come to the show every Tuesday. Uh, Not comics. They were just wanting to party with us. And there would be dollar beers during the show. I mean, it was amazing. So I was spoiled by having an actual crowd in front of me. Right, and then I would just try my jokes, you know, and then or and then then they would start liking certain jokes in the comics, and they would request them. Yes, you know, they would be like, "We want to hear," you know, there'd be like a comic named Josh Hollinger, like you'd be like, "I want to hear this joke that he does. Can he mm-hmm. do that tonight?" You know, and then they he would. And so it, it was a different experience, I think, sometimes because I feel like a lot of times in front of in open mics with comics with more notebooks and stuff like that, um, it's. Um, which I like because it's more like a classroom setting. Yes. Is more what it is. It's like you're trying this material in front of us and we're kind of just being critical of it or not laughing or whatever. But I've always 
just felt like I just go. I'm just going to talk. And whatever's funny, you know what I mean, is going to stick. Right, right. And then I'll have some ideas. I'll write down like, okay, um, you know, I want to talk about this. Let's see if I can get it, if I can get the beats down. Right, right. Because now I've been doing it like that for so long that that's just how I work, I guess. But it takes longer to put more material out, I think. Like really good, good writers can keep pumping shit out. Mm-hmm. Whereas like me, I need to, I can talk about a lot of shit, but to craft it to be like for my club set ready, I'll say. Yeah. It takes me a little longer. So are, you, are your jokes are kind of more like in a, in a storytelling preference cadence? I think they're in a conversational, like more conversational. Like I'm talking to the crowd, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's more like that because I, I was listening to a couple of your bits a little while ago mm-hmm. and, I, and I wanted to label it in the well, storytelling, but I couldn't put it there. But I also couldn't put you like as a one liner. No. You know? Yeah, because I don't, I'm not, I mean, I guess sometimes I am telling stories, but mm-hmm. I'm, but it's like introspective stories. It's like, uh, it, it's about me. So they're, they're story, but they're real things that happen to me. Like, are there real thoughts I have on things? Right. So I'm not just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I, I have shit where I story tell. Right. I was just, I think I'm, I'm stuck on storytelling right now because, uh, I just took a, a storytelling class, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we we spent three we spent three Mondays in a, in a classroom where we'd tell our story, we'd help each other tag it up, and the the instructor would would kind of give us some basic structure to help us, you know, re- really just to to it was kind of like like we had this jenga that was falling apart, and he just really kind of helped us put it together, put it back together, nice, you know, and. Uh, I was really happy with, with what I, like I started out with like a six minute story and mm-hmm. it ended up being like a 10 minute story. Oh but wow. Now I'm like, I'm kind of stuck at a point with it now where, because like, I feel like I, um, like as a 10 minute story, I'm, I'm not getting t- 10, 15 minute sets, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, I need to, I need to take this, this 10 minute story and like have different variations of it. Like, have a two minute version of it and like a five minute version of so it. So it's a whole it's a whole bit that's ten minutes. Right. Essentially. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I mean yeah, that's tough around here. Cause you guys are getting five minute sets and shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's nowhere you could just go do ten somewhere. No, no. I mean it was it was even hard to um to work it out because like when I when I was working it, I was getting I was going to to open mics where I was getting like seven minutes. So okay. I was able to do like a condensed version of it. And I knew doing that condensed version, I knew like in the back of my head, there's still these chunks where I'm just going to add more detail, you know? Of course. And like, and I'll just kind of like maybe let the hits construct themselves that night, that night, like maybe a callback to, to another comic set or like maybe just something, uh, someone in the crowd, you know, looks like a character in the, in the story. So I kind of left room for that, but. See a little crowd work in it. I, yeah, I, I, well, I was ready for that, but I ended up doing like a callback to a previous comic story, so. Okay. But it was a lot of fun. But now I'm like kind of uh, like I spent the last day or so like wondering what I was going to do with that story because like I don't want to just shelve it, you know, and, and I got to I got to let it breathe. But I also kind of got to keep like trying to um, churn out um, new material as well, you know. Yeah, well, just I mean, I would suggest just do I mean, when you're in an opportunity to do that story, do it. Right. But right. keep carving it out. Like keep making it better. How? Um, keep telling it. You know I mean. How many of your jokes, like, do you do you still have, like, from the first couple of years? Because you've been doing it for 10 years now, 10 right? Years, yeah. 10 years. Do you have stuff that you still 
do from your first couple of years? No, but I have stuff that I've been doing like the, the second time around. So like I have stuff that I'm still fading off. That's like seven years old. Now, are you doing that because you're, you're, you're wanting to retire material and, yeah. and you're, but it's not that you're not happy with it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just not as much me anymore. So I don't want to, it doesn't feel as authentic coming out anymore. Okay. You get what I mean? Yeah, I get what you like, mean. Like it's not, it's not coming from the same, when I was telling it before it was coming from me because mm-hmm. that's how I really felt and am. Right. And the real story, they're how I really feel about things. And now I'm just starting to have this kind of shift of what I find funny or. But now going with that, is it, is it something like, like, have you put out any albums yet? Like, have you, do you, do you have you done recordings of them? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Did. Yeah. Some of my stuff's like on streaming services. You can find it. It's called thank you for listening to nothing. Okay. Yeah. Anthony, you can put it on any streaming service. You can, you can listen to them. Yeah. And, uh, and how many do you have? You have one, two? I have, well, I have one that's on streaming services. I have one that I put some of these clips up recently, like on Facebook. And okay. then I have one that was straight for the streets. Like it was like my first year into stand up, and I recorded, or maybe second year. And I recorded in Modesto at the Fat Cat Music House and Lounge. And I <clears throat> got my own DVD and everything. And they were like, there was like 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And I sold them to people individually, you know, after shows and stuff like that. And people bought them. Oh, that's not. So there's like maybe a hundred of those out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know there's people out there that have them, but I don't have that on like streaming services and shit. Is that so you were in comedy at a time when it was still profitable to, to burn some, some DVDs of yourself and, and sell them, right? Yeah. Is it still, is it still that or is it moved no. on to something different now? I mean, now it's just straight streaming. I mean, it's, you just got to put stuff on social media. I mean, social media is king. You so know what, what, what can a comic do nowadays oh, to, to, to make sell- a couple extra bucks at a show? At their, for their material? Yeah. Well, just anything. Cause like I've heard like, I like I listened to Joey Diaz and he says like he refuses to do shirts cause it's just too much of an yeah, asshole. Stupid. There's no reason and, to do uh, shirts. And so many people say that. And then, but then like the day of selling a CD after the show is done. What what's so, left, or or is there some uncharted territory? Or I would say like these download cards, because most people they have like those QR codes. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just take your phone and go over it, and then it'll start streaming your show, like your clip or whatever. You can put a whole special. I have I have one of my full hour from the Gallo Center in Modesto. Okay, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's from that album. Thank okay. you for listening. To them, but you can just watch it visually. Uh-huh. You know what I mean on YouTube. But yeah, you can sell literally like a QR code card and be like. You know what I mean, yeah, you, you get the content, you get a special, yeah. So, people, you can do that. Um, I for a little bit, we were selling wristbands with like our social media on them, things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen those, yeah, because I don't make extra money and they're, they're kind of cheaper to make. And people, people, when you give them a really good experience, they do want to support and they want to have something from it. It's like when you go to a concert, you know what I mean, you want to you want to buy the band poster, right. You yeah, know, whatever. Definitely, it is. I've got you. Got them here exactly. <laughs> you know what it is. I have so many; they're not even all up. Like they're just you know yeah. what I mean. But that's what it is. Or like these stickers right here you have on your thing. Like people, I mean, these probably not so much. But I would say like people want content. Mm-hmm. So I think selling the the download codes is probably your best bet nowadays. I mean, I had a friend who used to. I mean, he'd have USBs with all his shit on them. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that too. Yeah, and. They'll buy it. And yeah. I think that there's something more unique about that too. people. But I, I think you have to be self-aware enough to know when you should start selling those. Definitely. Like you just can't, and, and you got to be putting out a good product. Yeah. Well, it's always going to be relative. 
Okay. Right? Because it's a good product to whom? I mean, the people who really love you, they already love you. Right. So it's a great product to them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people that literally have still watched me do stand up. They still come to see me. They've been watching me for 10 years. That's amazing. From when I first started. Right. Like I have couples that have met at my shows and are married now with children. Really? And they still come see me. That's something special. It is. No, but it's special, but it's like you forget like, okay, that's two people. Yeah, I'm not famous or no shit like that, but that means something. That means that you, if you can get two, three people, and I know this sounds corny, but it's like, then that means there's other people out there. Definitely. I get what you're saying. So you can be yourself. It just takes longer. Mm -hmm. It's just hard because you have to, because then you have to learn the craft of stand up. I didn't know the craft of stand up until I started it. Do you think studying? I I feel that like I'll never be done learning the craft of stand up. Like you it's can't. it's always going to be no right. Like, yeah, because the best stand ups in the world still bomb and try to figure things out. You can't just go up. There's nobody except for like maybe Louis C.K. had that run for a little while. Where literally, I mean, and it's because everybody knew him at that point. His crowd was so carved for him. Mm-hmm. But when he was pumping out that hour every year, those specials were still excellent. Like, he got into a groove writing that was unmatched. And I think he's still there. It's just because everything going on, you know what I mean? Right. But, but like, it's rare that you see people just go up and keep murdering with everything they talk about. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. Like, Chris Rock has told stories where he'll go up at the cellar and he's, like, he's even said, like, after the first three minutes, you're not famous anymore. You're famous, and then they'll let you get by for the first three minutes. And after that, come on. Yeah, after that adrenaline dies down, after that, that initial that Chris rush. Chris Rock's here. Yeah, after that initial rush here, yeah. dies down and like, now we're listening, now what? Now what? So they still have to go through the, the anxiety of just saying new shit mm-hmm. and bombing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why comedy's so honest. That's why I love stand-up so much. It's because, yeah, you're constantly, you're constantly learning. You're constantly going to, yeah, you'll never figure it out. There's... People who try to figure it out formulaically or whatever. I don't know how to do that. I think that's probably not the word. But that's the word. We understand th- it. You know what it means. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they try to figure it out like that. It, it, you know what I mean? You can't. You can't. You can't. There's too many tangibles. Like there's like the. You can't. Because I guess to, to solve something formulatic, formulatically. Yeah. Formulaically. I formulaically, think it's formulaically. I think. You need, you need to. You need to have all the. All the all the elements, all the all the variables in it, correct to solve it. But you night go, to night changes. But you go into a room; it could be freezing in the room, and people are in a bad mood, or it could be super hot that day, and people feel shitty, or like correct. They could be running a special on beers, and everybody's like this much more drunk than they need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, could so be a pe- it could be a group of people from a different socioeconomic background. Right. It could I be mean, somebody's birthday party, a bachelor party. A, yes. Yes. So and you can't you can't factor that in. You can't factor that in. And how do you talk to them? How do you relate to them? Or how do you, you know, that's why I believe doing a bunch of different get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Go places that you do that you don't go, like go anywhere. Me, I, I just love stand up. So I'll go anywhere people want me to go. Mm-hmm. You want me here? Okay, let's do it. Like let, let's. I, I got shit to say. Right, uh, I can carve that, and I can make this material sharper. If it's somewhere that makes me, you know, it's a little different or whatever, like go do it. 
You you know you started at a, at a at a really young so you started when you were about twenty two years old twenty one yeah twenty one yeah so you you're now at a point in your life you're you're about to reach a point in your life where you've been doing stand up almost half of your life fuck yes like is there anything else that you've done that you've done a half of your life like play little league baseball or like play the saxophone or ruin women's lives <laughs> a couple women yeah, Still. I fucked up yeah I got a couple women who hate me uh-huh. out there. But would you get what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, like, I feel you. Like, yeah, I would say video games. Okay. I would say video games, movies. You know what I mean, um, you know, I guess art and entertain a lot of art I've devoted to. Hip hop for sure. Really? I've given over half my life to easily. Mm-hmm. Like just constantly. You know what I mean? Like that's the genre. When you, when you say hip hop and you grew up out here, um, and I say out here because like. Well, I, I'm also from a small town, right? Like, I, yeah, grew, yeah. I grew up in Bakersfield. Well, I say Bakersfield because that's the easiest thing to like, I got you. put your brain to. Yep, but I actually I grew up in a smaller town of Lamont, just outside of Bakersfield. So that's I grew how up, I am, yeah. I grew up. So so you know what it's like. That we're going into town on Saturday. You need anything, you know? Yep. Are you going into town? Can I get you right into town? You know, that type well, of thing. Well, we had, we. I mean, I was still like in the, I guess like in the suburb. I, okay, I grew up in a town called Ceres, which is right next to Modesto. Okay. It's a tiny town. Okay. Nobody knew series when I would come up and talk about it on stage. So we'd always have to say Modesto. But I mean, yeah, the, the big city was like, or I mean, going into town, I shouldn't say, I mean, the town was Modesto. Right. And like going to concerts was. Oh, you had to go Fresno? Well, either locally. You, no, either lo- Modesto had little concerts. I mean, I went and seen Keek the Sneak at a banquet hall. <laughs> okay. I went and watched fucking Too Short at the Palladium, which is like this. But around here, Too Short plays everywhere. Too Short played, he would come to Modesto eight times a goddamn year. Yeah, he still comes to Sacramento like two, three times a year. It's beautiful. Yeah. People still just love Too Short, man. He's still just, he's a legend. So was that was that your flavor of hip hop? I guess that was where my question well, was originally going to go, but no, we kind of got sidetracked. It's not my flavor technically. I mean, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm, oh shit. Oh, um, I'm more into like conscious rap, I guess. Um, and more, I mean, but I listen to everything. Hip hop is a very wide spectrum. So yeah. I like to, so like too short to me is considered rap, not hip hop. I gotcha. You know what I mean? And it's yep. dope though. I still love too short because I grew up around it. It shaped me, you know? So I still listen to that and I will, but if the time's right, mm-hmm. but I don't bump too short in my car every day. I hear you. What you do you, mean? what do you bump in your car every day? Lupe Fiasco. Okay. Jay-Z. Um, lyricists. Heavy lyricists. Yeah, okay. Loaded Lux. I listen to a lot. Uh huh. Um, he's from Harlem. Lyricist. Um, yeah, that's the shit that moves me. Locksmith. Are you at the point with Jay Z now, where like, regardless, you gotta listen to the new album and then make up your mind? I've never missed. I've never missed a song. Right. I've. I've. Yeah. I'm a Jay Z fan. Like I grew up. I literally. He helped shape my youth. You know, listening to everything. It's crazy. Okay. Like I. And then Lupe, same way. Lupe is my favorite rapper of all time, hands down, number one. And then it's so I have such a weird mix. I go Lupe Fiasco. Jay Z, and then third, to be honest, in my heart, it's probably Brother Lynch Hung. Wow, really? <laughs> because again, like it reminds me of my childhood. I've listened to it more than most other rap albums, and I've listened to everything Brother Lynch has ever done. And it's 
I love him. He's from. He's from Sac. He's from. He's from Sacramento. He's from Sacramento. Oh wow! Garden Block, Southside Sac. I remember. I mean, I would listen. I mean, it was North. No, no South. Yeah, South Sac. Yeah, Garden Block. Yeah, he's South Sac. Wow. So I grew up listening to yeah, like Sacramento artists. I would even listen to like Hollow Tip. I don't know if you remember Holotip. No, no. Holotip. No, I've only been in Sacramento for like seven years. Okay. Well, but he was like, oh, he's, how old are you? I'm, oh, I'm old. I'm 48. That's not old. Yeah. Okay, so you're 48. Well, I'm, I'm older than you cats. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But, okay, so Brother Lynch, Holotip, there was Sibo, there was, um, who else was in SAC? I listened to a lot of that, like, kind of. I guess you would consider like underground gangster rap music. You know? It was like, but it was like a darker genre of rap. It, it had Brother like Lynch a, hung was like horror movies. Like, mixed like with, that's what I was like. Was it like horror? Like it was called shock. Ho- it was called horrorcore rap. It was horrorcore. Okay. That's what it was. It was horrorcore rap, which was, is, I worked in a record store. Okay. Right at the time that the click. So I worked there early enough that like people were buying the click. And telling me these the guys click, are yeah, badass, yeah. and then I saw the click splinter up into E forty, yep. uh, D shot, mm-hmm. uh, be legit, be legit, sugar, sugar tea, sugar tea, yep. yeah. I, I watched them break up into that, and then to move up here and still see how relevant E forty is, and to know that like those roots are just right over here, you know, that's in Vallejo, right? Like, well, E forty to me is the is the California Jay Z. He, or I should say the Bay Area, Northern California. Yeah, I was Jay-Z. about to say, I Sorry, was about to a- say, like, no disrespect at all, but, like, like, you, like, you guys grew up with it. Yeah. Like, we had to be handed it to us. Like, yeah. it had to be exported to us, like, a cousin or an uncle yes. or somebody who came up for the summer. E-40 was on the radio. Yeah. Even when I was a kid. Right. I mean, I remember vividly listening to Sprinkle Me in the car. Uh-huh. That that was a normal, and E-40 was just the man, like, and he still is, but I'm and just saying, like. he still is, isn't that crazy? He is for sure. Like, I, lo- I, again, another guy who I would put in my top, like, I wouldn't put him in my top three, but E-40, again, shaped my childhood. Mm-hmm. I listened to so much E-40. Again, like, I listened to his new album. I bang his album in my car still. Still. But to me, he's hip-hop. Yeah, really? Yeah, he's not rap. He has rap singles. Mm-hmm. And he has music that's just straight fun, and but that's the you, day though. Do you label him hip hop because he's more he more shapes the culture, not just where like he's got relevance, not just in the in the in the in the music, right? But he's got relative he's got relevance like in style, even in talk, right? Well, that too, but it's more because he's really giving out real game. He's giving out real. To me, you have to have some type of message. Okay. Right. There's got to be something there. Mm-hmm. You got to be talking about and and E40 has always given out real game, like where he's almost like he's helping you okay. if you listen if you know what he's talking about. See, that's the thing though. A lot of people just associate E40 with just being kind of silly because his voice is interesting and the way he talks is interesting to people. But that's like that's like new wave pimp shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He just has that gift of gab. Yeah. So if you don't understand what he's saying, then it kind of comes off as weird. But if you once you get it, you're like, okay, that's why I like E40s because he has something to say on top of. He, he's not just frivolously saying he has hella money. Right. Right. Which is we got it. Mm-hmm. You hear that in rap, and it's not a bad thing. And I, I mean, you can always be creative about how much money you have. But 
it's like you know he's quoting bible verses sometimes and like he's he's referencing things that are on a deep level yeah and i like that i like when artists get real deep yeah about shit i always loved uh, you talked about like he didn't he's not just talking about having money i always loved a, a jay-z line where he sees mm. but when i see you on the street i don't see none of that yo playboy what a hummer at like, mm-hmm. like he's all you talking about all of this and all your video. this shit and yeah. you don't where's it at where's it at you rent it I think he's saying like you you rent all that for your Jay has so many lines I forget them like it, it, I listen to so much that I forget sometimes I'm like oh my god that's genius I have Michael Eric Dyson's book on him right now I'm reading about Jay Z's Made in America that's my niece wanted that for Christmas if anybody it, it's to me the reason I love the book it's the way I want to explain them to people but can't put it into words. That book puts it into words. Wow, really? It's, it's that good? It's amazing. Because he's breaking down every line and just how how deep it actually goes. It's not just it's not just a dude rapping well. Mm-hmm. There's real craft to it. Yeah. That he's underrated for. Yeah, I saw him on a on a, I think it was on an episode of Iconoclast and he mm-hmm. broke down that the 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 lyric that everyone has heard a thousand times or um Hard Knock Life. Uh-huh. So I gave you Prophecy on my first joint, and you yep. all lamed yeah. out. Didn't really appreciate it till the second one came out. Mm-hmm. Till I stretched the game out, etched your name out, out, put Jigga on top, drop albums nonstop. Where he said he had a good first album. Yes. And he got great album sales. Yes. So the second album, he wanted bigger album sales yep. because that's what the label told him to go that's for. That's what they wanted. And he realized that wasn't him. So ever since then, he Never sketched again. your name out, put Jigga on top. Dude, that lyric. Come on. Yeah, yeah. This man is a genius. Yep. And like he said, I did it all without a pen. Yep. And he doesn't write stuff down. He That's says, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I did it without a pen. Yeah. I did all this without a pen. He's literally <laughs> just, he, because that's what he would do. He'd sit on the street corner and he would he would think about it. And then he'd blah, blah, blah. That's why like he doesn't come down so hard on like mumble rap and shit. Because that's what he does, but then he puts it into a craft like he mumbles the the flow to it yeah. he can catch that beat and mm-hmm, and think about what he's gonna say you know, you know i used to think that and i think you're helping me realize something right now that i used to i used to really think that eminem was the first rapper who like grew up like a rap prodigy like rap mm-hmm. was the first thing that was put in his hand like a kid that was given yes. a guitar when he's two years old correct or like a kid that learned how to play a piano when he's one right yeah i used to think that eminem was that person yeah but it seems that like jay-z was also right along that timeline where like his first concept of learning was was hip-hop was like correct music. and i think yeah. he was and and him especially was in the right place at the right time because there's the thing about like listening to the music from the East Coast, but there's another thing about living there and correct growing up in those streets. Also, it's the birthplace of hip hop. We can't ever forget yes. that. No, that it never. didn't. It, it came from that, and and guys like Rakim is who were influencing these dudes. Mm-hmm. Big L, you know what I mean? Notorious B.I.G. The best lyricist. Yes, like, Rakim shit still holds up. Yep, it's still ill. I listened to Follow the Leader the other day. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, my goodness, this man is rapping. He is talking that shit. And it was at a time when like that wasn't what was popular, and it, it wasn't. It was, no. He wasn't worried about album sales. No, but you know, I talk to people that because that's not my era. You know, I mean, I was born in '87, uh-huh. so Rakim was 
like he was like nine, ninety. Yeah, maybe, but he was like at his peak. You know what I mean? Like right. he was, and not to take away from him, he's a legend. I'm just saying, like, I'm not. I'm 87. You know what I mean? I was a baby. I wasn't jamming yeah, out yeah. to this shit. You know what I mean, until later, and I found it later, and it still made sense because. You know, he always talked about things that were more spiritual, more cosmic. Like he, he had a, he was a five percenter. Really? Yeah, he was a five percenter. So he's always talking about like, you know, how like most de- they talk about like the supreme mathematics and shit. Mm-hmm. Rakim was talking that shit. Okay. Then. Okay. And when you listen back to it, you're like, oh, that's why he would even say. And I see, I can't even quote the. I could go to it on follow the leader, but basically, like even my opponents. They don't even know right now. Like he's basically saying in the shit, like you can't, you can't keep up with the way I'm I'm rapping and the people who I'm coming at right now. They're not even gonna get this until later. You're not even following what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm yep. so I, I'm the god MC. I mean, that's where that shit came from. Yeah, it's like it's from dudes like him. You ever mess around? You ever study any public enemy? Yeah, of course. Oh. Professor Griff and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I watched Professor Griff's course on hip hop. Oh shit. <laughs> He gets down about like how the government got in and changed the, the the um, the frequency of the music. That that's what they that's why they introduced gangster rap in the nineties because it started to get too conscious. Like Rakim and and Public Enemy, they're going to fight the power. Yeah, Rakim was doing it in a more smooth way. Mm-hmm. He was teaching knowledge of self, like in the Nation of Islam. Okay, where Professor Griff and them same thing, but they were more fight the power. They were more just out there like fuck this government. Yeah. They weren't as smooth about. I mean, they were, but it was out there. They, so then they say that they introduced gangster rap because that changed the frequency of the people. It totally did. They took hip hop and then made it. Now we're talking about killing and all this shit. Now mm-hmm. we're talking about gangster now, shit. Now we have a reason to not like it. Correct. Now we have a reason to warn our kids about it. And we're seeing this again now. We're seeing the resurgence again of gangster rap who raised a group of kids and they're wild. The younger mm-hmm. these younger rapper kids are even crazier. Than the ones that in the 80s or, or 90s, I should say. Okay. They're even more psycho. These motherfuckers are running around with AK 47 shooting, pe- like, you know what I mean? They're psychos. <laughs> <laughs> but my thing is that when I, I remember watching that Professor Griff and them, I was like, okay. And I, and I believe that type of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They stepped in, they seen hip hop was getting too, like, Cause look, anytime, and we see this in history. Anytime brown or black people get together in too big of a group, and start trying to get everyone to rise, okay, all of a sudden things start changing. Yeah, yeah. People, someone dies. People, people or, infiltrate it. it. It starts changing direction from within. It's yeah. So I believe that type of shit. So yeah, I fuck with Professor Griff and P- Public Enemy and them for sure. Yeah, but again, like, not something I came into until later in life. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. That's what made me. That's what made me wonder that because like, yeah. like you, you, you made me realize that that you're of the generation that like, you've got your own stuff that you grew up on. Like you said, you Brother remember, Lynch and shit. You remember hearing that? Yeah. But like, you had to go back and study like Public Have Enemy. To. But like, I yeah, I was. I remember like that being brand new and like getting turned onto it. You know, and and that I still I still love Public Enemy. Yeah, see, and I haven't even, like, examined all their whole catalog. Yeah. Like, to listen to every... I listen to it, but I don't listen to, like, every single no, one I'm as the much same, as I should. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. With Public Enemy, like, I I really only listen to uh, Apocalypse 91. Okay, yeah, and of the, course. And the album right before that one, which has Rebel Without a Pause. Rebel Without a Pause, which is... Okay, now I'm going to look at it. Right like, yes, the rhythm, the rebel. It takes a nation of millions. It takes a nation of millions. 
Let me see. Now I got to look it up. But cuz I see I've title. That's how that's how much of a Jay-Z fan I am. Yeah, there's yeah, Rebel Without a Pause bring the noise. So then it was which album? So the first album Wait, oh, these are singles? What is this? The first album was uh Fear Yo, of a Black Planet. Then Yo Bum Rush the Show. Yep. Yo Bum Rush the Show. Takes a Nation. Yep. Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. I mean, look, they were talking that shit. Yeah. And that shit scared the government. Yep. It scared them. So I believe that they did shit like that. Yeah. I, that, Flavor Flav says that in one of their songs. We got them running scared. We got them running scared. What a crazy combination Public Enemy was. Right? Professor Griff, Flavor Flav, Flav. and Chuck D. That is insane. And Terminator X. Yes. Terminator X. What a crazy, yeah, that is an insane group. You know, know, uh, humble brag right here. I saw 1992 Public Enemy, 1991 maybe, Public Enemy, Apocalypse 91 tour, Cal State Bakersfield. The opening band was Rage Against the Machine. Fuck yeah. Who we'd never heard of. No way. We'd never heard of Rage Against the Machine. It was um, uh, the Far Side, Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine, the Far Side, Public Enemy. Wow. It was, it was one of the most epic nights of my life. Like, just, oh, that's an amazing lineup. Yes. And I, I shook Flavor Flav's hand, and I just remember how cold and hard it was. <laughs> <laughs> A little Crypt like, Keeper hand? Like, I could still feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. That is amazing. That was a great night. Oh, but, Rage Against the Machine just played at last year at Titles. Well, because Jay Z puts on like a concert every year, you know, it's a uh-huh. title festival or whatever. Rage was there. Well, the the Prophets of Rage was it the Prophets of Rage, or no, it was just what's his name, the or was it the singer? Who's the name of the again? The, Tom Morello is the Tom Morello. Yes, yeah. I think it was Tom Morello then. Okay, does he play guitar too? Yeah, he plays. Okay, guitar. then it was Tom Morello. It was Tom Morello, and he's the one that stays has stayed really active. Well, they've all stayed really active but tom morello kind of does a lot more and they get and people forget how big rage is oh they're huge they're huge i can't in like in mexico they're selling out stadiums i they're they're the led zeppelin of this generation yes like as far as power except without stealing they didn't steal any music did they (laughs) no that not yet no nothing's been proven yet okay because led was stealing what (laughs) i think that the accusations against led zeppelin didn't start to like much later like it was it was way later so just saying because they stole black music how well that's all of rock and roll well okay but i mean they stole it blatantly though (laughs) they were stealing like i mean yeah you're right but i just mean like St- the fact that Stairway to Heaven was stolen and not paid any royalties to them is like, come on. Dog. Yeah, that is pretty bad. Come on. But they they had some shady management. Of course. They had a whole thing going on. They were they were yeah, probably swooped up in a whirlwind of people and then they just they don't They were along for the ride. What what did they know? <laughs> they were just being boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then they just have this massive hit. Oh. You know what I wanted to talk, I uh, wanted to mention because, oh, uh, like, we've only met a couple of times, right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. had that when you walked in, right? Have we met and we've done, we've done the, hey, I'm Jesse, you know, I, yeah. I first saw you at um, Talking After Sets. Oh, okay. Well, Austin yeah, Carr. With Austin Carr, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I first, I, like, I had heard your name, right, Anthony K. And I, that was kind of like one of the selling points that got me to go there because, like, I knew, oh, wow. I knew you were a badass. But oh, I knew you were you. more modesto, and, <laughs> and your you know your appearances in Sacramento were kind of seldom. Yeah, and so I was like, oh well, that's a selling point. I'm gonna go. You know. Yeah. 
and uh, I just did the whole, hey, I'm Jesse, and you were very polite, you know? Said, yeah. hey, what's up? You know, yeah, yeah. keep grinding, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here, I'll take a picture with you. No, it wasn't yeah, that bad. <laughs> uh, you signed my ticket stub. Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, this year was the first time I went to the uh, the uh, the uh, the Christmas party at the uh, at Laughs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't go the year before because I I had I started doing comedy in September, okay. and then when the Christmas party came up that year, I was like, ah, eh, nah. But then this year, I was like, oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm part of this scene, I'm going, you know. Yeah. And uh, but not knowing that you could, I could have gone the year before, like no, you know. Yeah, 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 of course. So, but I went and um, I was joking with somebody about how you and Lance Woods. We're just talking, but you had just made your way and stayed on the stage. And you guys are just talking on the stage. Like, everyone's having a good time talking. Oh, yeah. But you guys were talking, but on the stage. And I and I pointed out, I was like, these cats just gravitate to the stage. That's funny. Like, no matter. I like. I was like, they could have probably been, like, anywhere. And they would just, if, if they weren't on the stage, they would be right in front of the stage. Hilarious. Well, it's because we took, I think. If I remember that correctly, we took a we photo. We took a group photo, a yeah. A big group photo. And yeah. then we ended up... Well, you know what it is, especially at those events, that is great for me, is that I've been doing this long enough. I've met most of the comics in the community. You know, Sacramento is my second home, mm-hmm. really. San Francisco and Sacramento are my second home. I'm always. Mm. This is where I'm always at. Okay. So, like, when, especially when I'm just doing sets. If I just want to come in and out and do sets and whatever... Um, but a lot of these comics I don't get to see, but once a year. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Where you're like, at a night that you're not working, right? Because like, how many correct. times do you see each other? But we'll like, see each other on a show, mm-hmm. or we'll see each other when we can, or we have each other's numbers and we'll call each other about stupid shit or whatever. But for the most part, it's like this is my time to catch up. This is great. Yeah. So then I bounce around like a psycho because I get to say hi to everybody. Yeah. You know, and then we just end up in these long conversations, which is nice. Yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, with Lance, I mean, me and Lance are yeah. It looked like you two were just enjoying the conversation, and you guys are kind of just like in your own world. But I was like, "Well, look, they're on the stage." Like I know we're just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. we're both ready for the show. Exactly. I was like, "You could hand either one of them a mic right now, and they'll go for an hour." I think so. Yeah. Oh yeah, me and Lance. Oh wait, and Lance was on um that talking set show. Oh, he was, and he went over. I had never heard. Sounds about right. I had never heard the the story about like I. That was new to me. (laughs) That was new to me too. Was that that Lance goes over and I was like, what are they talking about? I was like, oh, I get what they're talking about. (laughs) I do it too sometimes though. You just get in the moment, then you're like, oh fuck. You just get to a point where you're just like, wait, wait, I'm gonna finish right. Is that what it is? No, I think. Well, yeah, that too. But I think you just. I don't know. I try not to because I, I, I don't like being disrespectful to the comics and I'm so honed in on the craft that I want to be precise. But mm-hmm. sometimes you just you're in the mood and people are going if if you're bombing, that's worse. If you're bombing, then it's like now you're being a real dick. But if you're killing, there's almost like an acceptable like there's an acceptable like, OK, part of you it were if killing. You're killing. Yeah. Yeah. You're killing or you're getting good laughs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. all right. But Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we always tease Lance about that. Did you love it from the moment you jumped in, or did it take a while to grow on you? Oh no, yeah, I loved it the moment it happened. What? Okay, so if you started at twenty-two, why didn't you start at nineteen? Because you still started young. Well, I started at twenty-one. At uh, twenty-one, okay. yeah. So, so what happened those couple of years after high school, right before you started? Nothing. I was just working. I was in a relationship, and 
Um, I my friend is the one who called me over to the open mic. I didn't know there was an open mic. I never thought that like you could do comedy at home. I mean, in Modesto, I didn't know that that's how you even would go about it. I love stand up. Uh-huh. I was a nerd way before I did comedy. Okay, like just watching, and I mean, like just nerding out on stand up, consuming all that I could. Chris Rock and Chappelle were my favorites. Roseanne, you know what I mean, and then Colin Quinn and Patrice and all them. Like, and then I found out about an open mic, and then I just went. And then me and my girl would just go all the time and have drinks. And I was 21. I could get into a bar. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. I remember the first time standing in a bar going, wow. Well, I was already over drinking Mm -hmm. because I've been drinking since I was 14, 15. We were fucking partying at house parties like we were goddamn rappers as kids. That's small towns. Small town shit. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. But get fucked up and have sex. That's it. Right. So, um. Yeah, when I got it, but the thing was, is that this was like, wow, we can go and have dinner, me and my girl, and like, it was a Tuesday night or Wednesday, Monday, or I don't know what it was, and we would just have beers, and you just go. Yeah. And then I just went, and then the guy who ran it, like, we would bullshit all the time, and he was like, you're funny, like, naturally. He's like, you should go and try, you should write five minutes and then come try, and I was like, uh, I don't want to disrespect the art. Okay. You know, I don't want to, I... Were you saying that partially in truth, and but and partially because... You didn't want to fuck with it? Like, you didn't want to... Well, I really believe that... Because I, I get that. I get the whole, I don't want to I don't want to disrespect the art. That's literally what it is. It's like, I didn't want to... Because I'm watching it at a high level constantly. Uh-huh. I'm watching Chris Rock. That's who my favorite... I mean, I have Chris Rock on repeat. I'm watching a man murder... Yeah. When he's telling jokes. You know what I, what I did recently is... Um, I went back and I, and I looked for seven minute sets of like all of the greats yeah and what what i got stuck on repeat was uh bernie mac uh the deaf comedy jam i ain't scared I ain't of you scared of you motherfuckers yeah god damn dude it's only seven minutes long but do you get what i mean like you you watch the best yeah you you and like anybody you study the greats so I, I was, no, it was coming from a real place. I didn't want to disrespect the art at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was, I mean, I, I think I was, I, I'm still delusionally confident enough to go up on stage, which I was the first <laughs> time too. And um, I think it's just fun. I mean, I was just talking about this Robert on his podcast, but like I've seen crazy shit in my life. You know I mean, I think most people have, I think people all have stories, their own thing, but like I've watched people get murdered in front of me. Oh shit. So to me, like bombing in front of a crowd is not like the scariest thing I could witness or withstand. Like, oh my god, what what happens if they don't laugh? Like, okay, who gives a fuck, right? Like I've had people point not guns kill at me. me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I've seen wild shit. I've watched somebody get murdered in front. Like that's way scarier than trying to figure out how to deal with that. Right. You know, over somebody not laughing, they don't get your material. Like, well, okay. Okay. Worst case, I'm just going home. Right. You know? So, and the first time I did it, I don't think I did good by any means, but like my, all my friends and family came out to support me. Mm-hmm. I've told this story before on a podcast, but like I got, I ended up getting, we ended up getting a big fist fight. At really? The bar. Yeah. The first night you performed? The first night I ever performed. Oh my God. After my set, like uh-huh. after my set. And then my friend, uh, there was another comic on named Jason Wrestler. Uh-huh. He was closing the show out, and this lady started heckling him. And she like pulled her phone out. She started like talking. She was really drunk. My friend was telling her like, "Be quiet, 
I'm just giving you a quick rundown on this. Yeah, yeah. But he was telling her to be quiet, and she got real crazy, and she was like, fuck you, motherfucker, and he called her a cunt, and then it got wild. Oh, it was over after and that. And he poured a milkshake on her head. And then <laughs> her boyfriend obviously got mad, and then <laughs> obviously. obviously her boyfriend got up, and then my mom tried but to took that to get the boyfriend up? Yeah. Well, the cunt and the ice cream came very quickly. Oh, okay, like, okay. It was, very, it was a fast interaction. And then... Um, the wait what okay and then <laughs> sorry i got high earlier um she started yelling and obviously she has ice cream all over her face and my fucking my friend my good friend who i grew up with she started yelling at the girl telling her like fuck you like then now they start yelling you know girls they start getting into it and then my mom stood up and got oh, in between shit. my mom got in between them and my mom was like stop you know you guys need to calm down this is ridiculous like because now there's a huge commotion i mean this is already going this is going too far and when my mom turned away, like to look away from the girl, the girl took a sucker punch at my mom. Oh, is that when it? Is that when it just? Started? She took a swing. Yeah, she took a swing and she hit my mom in the neck. Uh huh. And I fucking can't. I punched that lady right in her mouth. I would never hit a woman in my whole. No, you ain't got to explain that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But this woman took a swing and hit my mom in the neck. And I fucking put, and then it was on everybody. My friend, she ran around, started beating this bitch up. <laughs> fucking the dude got choked to the ground. He got put to sleep. Uh, people, my, the, my guy friends, they started throwing plates of food at the girl. <laughs> Chicken wings and shit. Beer pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this could be one of those cartoons from Tales from the Tour Bus. I swear to God, if you put this in a cartoon, I would love to put this in a cartoon. <laughs> I could tell this whole story so vividly. Oh, my but gosh. That was my first time doing stand up. And you're like, I love this. I love this, <laughs> this so much. This is great. Oh, yeah. Immediately, like the next show I did, the comic who was headlining that night or closing out the open mic. Yeah. He he brought me up at the other show. And he's like, I seen this next comic punch a lady in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, don't open with that. I have to dig myself out of that. Oh, shit. You know, I'm like, shit. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So I fell in love with stand up because it let me just express me. You know what I mean? And be myself. And then. I just could talk about whatever mm-hmm. I could talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And then you just learn as you keep going that again, the different rooms you're in, you have to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. You have I'm, to I'm learning. Um, that's a, a lesson I'm trying to teach myself this year is to get out of my comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone and yeah. uh, get, uh, go anywhere. They'll have you anywhere. There's mic time. Just go. Yeah. Just go, just go. And yep. especially if somebody invites you on a show where there's a crowd, like go, Okay. I don't care if there's three people. Yes. That at least they're listening mm-hmm. and they're, they're not comics. They're listening with a different ear. Cause <clears throat> I have this struggle a lot with comics that like, I love comedians. I love comics a lot, truly to a detriment, <laughs> but I don't want to please them with my material. If comics think my material is funny, great, but you're not who I'm making the material for. You know what I mean? It's me. And then I lo- and then the people who like it like it. I like. I, I always say, don't play to the back of the I room. I was gonna say this is playing to the whole adage of the the front of the room versus the back of the room. Correct. Don't play to the back of the room. Yeah. No, I don't I, think. I I've I've caught myself. Um, even though it's something that that like I was very aware of, like don't play to the back of the room. Don't play to the back of the mm. room. I've caught myself like driving home from shows, and the criticism I was giving myself was 
back of the room criticism. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, correct. It, and it wasn't front of the room criticism or, yeah. or front of the room feedback. Correct. Right. Like you could have, like you do, you do a set and you could, there's, there's two sets. You, you, you can get feedback and you get criticism. Mm-hmm. And if you get it from the back of the room, you're going to see it as criticism. Mm-hmm. And if you get it from the, but you should be taking that from the front of the room. Yeah. Because that's who, that's who we're, that's, that's who we're entertaining. All of it's for, right? Correct. The, op- the open mics, the jotting down the notebooks, the writing the note. It's it's all for the front of the room. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and and you already know that, like, again, like the people who are gonna pay to see comics are not gonna pay to see you. No, never. You know what I mean? And if they do, it's that's great. It's out yeah. of respect, you know, or whatever. But that's not again that that's not who the crowd is right the crowd is not comics mm-hmm. the crowd is people who just they got off work and they want to laugh this is what they waited for all week yeah right? they, they bought this ticket three weeks ago or they're comedy nerds which is great too but they're not comics right they like watching stand-up and then they're like i want to watch this guy yeah those people are going to even get it more they're not going to be as comics are just you know they're not it's not the same crowd i mean you can get a group of comics to laugh that's great but that's not your i don't think that should be your goal Mm -hmm. that's me at least i don't know i I don't like playing to the back of the room too much i get it because i am in the back of the room i'm the back of the room but so do you how do you how do you catch yourself because like sometimes i i catch myself where like when i'm watching comics from the back of the room mm -hmm. like um or even just when i'm watching a comic just in general like I get to where like I'm studying it so much that even though I think it's funny, I'm just like registering it in my head. Oh, that's funny. Oh, fuck. That was funny. Correct. But, like I'm not laughing out loud because I, I'm kind of like hanging on every word. Correct. So it's like kind of like I'm becoming not a good fan of comedy. Like I know what you're saying. You know? Yeah. I have to take and, like, a break from watching stand up for yeah. that reason. Okay. So take a break. From watching stand-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, take yeah. A break. but not from ever doing it, right? No, yeah, do it. But just take a break from watching it so you don't fill your head with their stuff. Or, yeah, you're calculating it too much. Mm-hmm. Like, just talk. Be you. Talk about the shit that you know or the, your experience. You know, it's okay. And don't worry about... Bo- because you'll start to feel. And then, like, the crowd... I don't know. You, you, it, It's natural. Yeah. And then that crowd can feel when it is. That's why they laugh. Cause it's you, you know. So if you're if you're calc if you spend all your time calculating it, yeah, you're gonna yeah. get in a forever loop. And yeah. then you and then like I'm my worst critic. Yeah, nobody we're always gonna out, be that. Nobody can out criticize my set. I don't care how much you try to break it down. I've already said the worst things about myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So I already know what it is. But the goal is to not. You have to be fearless and just keep. Just keep doing it. The best example for this is the punchline in San Francisco. Okay. On Sunday nights. Okay. So on Sunday is the showcase night, which is like the famous, you know, have you have you heard about them? That, that's all I hear about. That's all you hear about is like, okay. are you going? Are you going? Can I catch a ride? I went. Yes. I've been going four months. I've been going three months. Have I you, have you gone? Months. I have not gone. Okay. So go to that. that you'll get a lot out of that mm-hmm. because you watch the comics for sure. But the biggest thing is, is that what you'll notice is... Because, I mean, killers are going on stage. These motherfuckers are funny, you know? And <clears throat> the crowd is there for the show. They don't, they're there for Sunday showcase night. But the 80 comics in the back trying to get on are 80 comics. That's a crowd of, you know what I mean? Yeah. 80 motherfuckers on top of the crowd. So you you watch comics sometimes, they get they think about that back of the room. 
Mm. Cause that's a lot of, com- that's a lot of people. Yeah. It ain't like, it ain't like an open mic with 10, 10 comics and you know what I mean? Or 15 of the thing. There's a lot of motherfuckers out there. Right. Trying to get on. Right. So you feel there's a, there's a little bit of pressure and anybody who says there isn't is lying. Like, you know, there's a bit of some weird pressure cause all your peers are watching you mm-hmm. or all your comp, you know, your, so I think that's a good test. I think that's what makes the comic so strong out of that club. Okay. You know? Right. But it's something to go see. It's something to witness for sure. Okay. Yeah. I definitely got to, got to go check out a couple of those. And some of the best comics, I, and this is me. I truly believe Northern California has the best comedy scene in the country. You know, you're not the, you're not uh, the only one saying that. Yeah. I really believe it. And I think it's un, I think that they purposely don't acknowledge it. Because this is what they do with Bay Music, back to E40. Uh-huh. This is what they do with, with the Bay in general, or uh-huh. Northern California in general. They always, always the trendsetters, always ahead of the curve, very artsy town. Like, we have a melting pot of actually a bunch of different people for real. Not New York and L.A. are great and all that because that's where entertainment is around, especially in stand-up. But to me, it's old it's outdated have you is it when when you make the statement that you you believe that that this is that northern california yes has it been building to this or has it been this i think it's been this it's been this because when i was going to the punchline when i first wanted to get in over there i'm watching murders on stage mm-hmm. you know what i mean i'm watching ki- like you had to go on stage you you better be fucking good because the people before you are annihilating in seven, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, killing. Not no timid ass applause. I'm talking killing. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know? Do you know who Kabir Singh is? Yeah. Okay. The lineups would be like Kabir Singh, Sammy Obeyed, Kasim Bentley, Marcelo Arguello, DJ Real, Frankie Quinones. Like, these motherfuckers would one after another. The crowd would be done, and then you have to go now do your shit, and you're new. Right. Do my, hey, online dating, right? Exactly. Yeah. You better kill. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pressure, you know, which I like, though, because I think it bred, I think it made really good, con- but that's why I think that the Northern California scene's been that. And you see it now. Look at Ali Wong. Look at Hassan Minaj. Okay. I mean, they did pick a couple, you know what I mean, from it. I mean, Robin Williams, obviously, famously, but he's a joke thief, supposedly, so... You know that kind of fucks that up. Yeah, but I mean that that that's that's been said about him a lot. That yeah. fucks things up a lot. But or like Larry Bubbles Brown, who's mm-hmm. still there. He's a legend, killer. Like, so I think it's been that. I just think that because the entertainment industry is not there, they don't care, or they look at it's not the same. And the thing that Northern California doesn't have is a seven night a week club. Oops, they don't have a seven night a week club. I'm hoping Punch gets there at some point, but we don't have what the store has, <clears throat> or we don't have what. LA, or you know, New York has at the cellar, the stand where they can right where a club can literally have a crowd like, seven nights a week. That's what the club is. The club is a comedy club. It's just well, the, every the night. punch is a comedy club, but they can't fill it seven nights a week. Right, right. Two shows a night. You know what I mean? That's what the cellar can do, and that's how you breed the greatest. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that's how you breed because you they they. But whatever, I still think that our comics are funnier because you know what we have over here that a lot of places don't is work. So you can work. California is so fucking big. 
you can work clubs, but the one-nighters, like the shows you can do around the independent shows, are sometimes better than the clubs. Yeah. So there's so much work and so much stage time that's quality with real crowds. People from New York always come out or L.A. and they'll be like, man, you guys have like the best crowds. Oh, wow. Really? And it's like, yeah, because where they're at, they're struggling to do their... Their showcases are still tough. To have real audiences is hard to find outside of the clubs. Okay. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't know. I believe, I stand behind it. I don't I don't know too many. I can name so many comedians that are from out this way that are so much better than what I see. And not better. I don't want to say that. But just they're, they're up to par. We have whatever. We have all the same things that LA and New York has. So do you think it's still a thing, though, of like if someone wants to quote unquote make it eventually they're gonna have to make the move to la or new york no nope it's not nope because we're already seeing that happen first of all bo burnham he i mean i don't know where he's from originally but Mm -hmm. he went completely around the business completely Mm -hmm. and we've seen this already with russell peters we've seen this with he was an early viral guy russell peters went completely around the business okay and it's still selling 8,000 seats in Dubai. You get what I mean? Okay, okay. Yeah, so no. I think that that's still... I think I think that it's... I don't think that it's not an option to right, go to right. LA. Or no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we that's live in a time now. Option. Nope. And we've seen it with Andrew Schultz. <clears throat> okay. Andrew Schultz was in the business. Then they denied him. You know? And then he was like, well, fuck these people. I, I make enough money. You know what I mean? And then he put his shit on social media and then he started popping even more. Uh-huh. He started, he understood how to play the game and he, yeah. So no, I, I don't, I don't think that that's a thing anymore. I think it's gone. And I also believe that in San Francisco, especially that it is the new New York. First of all, it's the new blueprint to the entire country. You're not lying, right? It's the new Manhattan. The biggest billionaires are there. Mm-hmm. They're not in Manhattan anymore. Like stock market people, those are considered old men now. There are young stock people. I know that there's people, in, I'm sure, in the financial department, they'll be like, oh, you're dumb. You don't know anything about fucking... Sure. But tech? What, do you think tech's going to slow down? No. No. So they have startups there, too, of course, in New York. But San Francisco is near Silicon Valley. Right, right. It is the Mecca, and it is what the blueprint of the whole country is. They're the ones gentrifying. They're the the way Sacramento changed its look. You know what I mean? That's what Sanford. I mean, this is what the Bay does. Well, yeah. When you okay, like that analogy that you just made, calling yeah. calling San Francisco the blueprint. It's the and blueprint. then then thirty seconds later, saying the way Sacramento has changed its look. From an outsider's perspective, I, I, I exactly you see what, what you're mean? saying now. Yes. Yeah. Like I like I moved to this city like seven years ago. I absolutely How love it. How much has it changed in seven years, even? Right. No, a lot. Like a I lot. like I got here like at a real like at the perfect, perfect time. Perfect time. You came during the recession. I came at the perfect time. You came at the end of the recession. Oh yeah. I couldn't buy this house today already. Like oh, so th- you bought this. Yeah, like in three <laughs> years it's already Yeah. <laughs> you're living. You know? You're living, <laughs> it was dude. Luck, you know? No, it's but, not lucky. I mean, well, yeah. Well, maybe, right place, right time, right? Right place, right time, yeah. Yeah. But that's but, what I mean. It's like, so now you see all the, everything's going up. Everything is. But it's like, it's like a, it's like a, an imprint of San Francisco, right? Like San Francisco just got too big and just started like falling over into these other cities. In the Bay in general. Mm-hmm. Not just San Francisco, but the Bay in general just got too expensive because of all these millionaires. 
Yeah. Or even people just not even millionaires, but I mean, yeah, maybe yeah, the average income around that bitch is just kept raising and it's still doing that. So I think it's the more cutting edge town. I think the Bay and Northern California, Sacramento is the more cutting edge town as opposed to anywhere. And again, I'm obviously being biased because I'm here. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying. No, like, there's something really, there's something really admirable about the way you're speaking of your where you grew up, you know. Yeah, and and and, and just, I include the Central Valley in that, yeah. but I know we're we're still fighting. We got our own little yeah. thing. But I'm just saying, like, I'm really getting a, a great glimpse into into who Anthony K is when you talk about the music that you love, and yeah. then hearing you speak passionately about where you grew up. Oh yeah, and backing it up with facts. Like you're not just spitting out stuff like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna. No, you're saying we have. We've been it's already there. Yeah. Chappelle literally said in Sticks and Stones, the Punchline Comedy Club in San Francisco is, he didn't hesitate, is the best comedy club in the country. He didn't say second best. He said the best. Right. He didn't say one of the best or nope. of the best. He did an entire epilogue about it. Mm-hmm. And this man is a living legend. Yes. And he is telling you, no, this is, he made sure to save the goddamn club when it was going to get moved. Right. Or lost completely. Who knows? He was like, nope. Can't let that happen. No. This is an institution that needs to be here because this is amazing. And you guys don't even know it. Right. right. I hear what you're saying. You feel me? Like, that was huge. That was huge for comics around this bitch. The fact that Dave stepped up, and a lot of comics, Nato Green, who's like, uh, he's been around the, the club for years, and Nato's a fucking... It's a goddamn artist. I mean, he's amazing at what he does. And like, there's a lot of Chris Riggins was in that amazing. Like, there are so many funny fucking people that come out of this Northern California scene that I'm like, it, it's just a matter of time before I hope that they pay attention more. But I, it doesn't really matter even if they don't because we're all actual passionate artists. So yeah. we're gonna get it no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I'm I'm having so much fun. Um, doing comedy and still learning and really just barely getting my feet wet. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and I, I, and, uh, I acknowledged where I'm like, comedy's a timeline like this, right? Like, yes, yes. And I'm like right here, you yes. know? And, uh, but I, I'm really happy with where I'm at, you know, like, yeah, like, but I, I, I want more, you know, but I know oh, no, that yeah, it's going to take some hard work and it's, and it's going to take, so like, I know to jump on opportunities of someone saying, I'll do a podcast tonight. You know, like I was on my lunch. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, I got to message this guy right now. Like, well, yeah. And I, and I mean, I don't want to. I love meeting comics. And like I told you, I love comedians. Uh huh. I love comedians. I don't care about how long you've been doing it like that. It's, it's good to know, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're as, if you love it as much as I do, because that's my thing is like, I live this shit every day. Right. Right. Are you, so you're at a place where you're able to do comedy full time? Yeah. That's great. How long have you been able to do that? Two, two to three years. Oh, man. But it just basically means I'm poor. You know what I mean? Right. Well, but yeah. I can pay the bills. Exactly. But it's like, ugh, it's a struggle sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. some people have it better. This is the thing. I've never been taken out on the road. Mm-hmm. I've never had anybody like, oh, come on, let me introduce. Nope. Like, no, I don't get to like feature for people to mm-hmm. take me on a bunch of clubs and not knocking it. It's just it doesn't happen. I've had it locally for sure, right. but I mean, I've just, I've always felt like I should earn my keep. Mm-hmm. So like Bill Burr said, be undeniable. So then they can't, they can't, they can't tell you no. Right. Right. You know, or they can't say you're not funny. They can say whatever they want about you, but if they, they can't say you're not funny, 
So that's how I've always approached it and still try to approach it. It's like, I want to be, I'm trying to be, I, I care about this thing that I do stand. I love it no, more it's, than it's, anything on the planet. It's very evident. Uh, I remember when I, when I, um, like you and Lance and Carlos and Robert. Oh yeah. Like you guys are up there just having fun. Like great time. It doesn't even seem like, like you're just like, Oh, this is what I'm going to go do tonight. This is, this is, like, yeah. like there's no like I mean I'm sure you you feel pressure of a show but you don't you don't show pressure of it a depends show. on where yeah it depends on where I'm at but yeah, yeah I think I still I mean, get a little bit of I, I recently I'll get a little bit of anxiety sometimes. but yeah I know what you're saying it's it comes natural to us right and yeah think, going back to what I was saying earlier you guys just gravitated towards the stage like this is this yeah. is where you belong this is where I, yeah this yeah. is where I feel the most comfortable exactly is being on stage and just having fun having a good ass time and that's what I'm saying I can tell when a crowd is having fun or not. And if I if I feel like they're not, I'm like, oh, here we go, <laughs> you fucking boys. And you could you could feel it early. Can you? Oh yes, you, you can temperature check right out the gate. And and it if you if you feel it ugh, early, do, do you fight to pull it? Is there like a sometimes is there a if point I'm in where the you're mood. just like, I'm just gonna get out. I'm just gonna play it safe. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes I'm like, I've been having a bad day today. You I'm just gonna I'm just, just gonna like, damage control my like, way out of this. You guys are fucking dicks. You know what I mean? Like, who the fuck comes to a comedy show and is like this, you know? But I I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I'm just so passionate about it. That's why I love comics. And also, I, I, again, I, I stick by what I say. I really think that the best scene is over here. All right. I hear I'm telling you. I agree, I, yeah. I agree with you. Sorry, I got distracted looking at my phone. No, right? that's okay. That's my okay. My ADHD came in right there. That's okay. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. So I think, and and I and I believe that that's why I'm in. And right now, I think we're in the still we're still in that big wave of like what like the '80s of stand up. What a lot of people talk about. Like, oh, I I was listening to somebody on a podcast this morning talk. I think it was Greg Fitzsimmons talk about it on the podcast this morning that we're in we're in this wave right now that is. But he said it's going to be interesting when it stops to see who's still standing. Well, that's the point, right? Well, here because here's the thing. No, I think it's going to keep going because, okay, we are in the 80s, but the money hasn't inflated. Mm. You see, that's the problem right now. There is a middle class of stand-up. Uh-huh. Those are like the Burt Kreischer's. Okay. You know what I mean? The, the Burt Kreischer's, Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. They're the middle class. Uh-huh. But it needs to spread more. Because in the 80s, the fucking middle class was everybody. Hmm. I mean, there was points that people were getting paid. I mean, I've heard stories of comics who are, you don't even know, that were getting paid $10,000 to do shows wow. in the 80s. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So that's my thing right now is like, that's the hardest part is if you're going to do this for a living, you, there's gotta, you got to make money. Right. And we live in the most expensive place in the goddamn country. We do. We do. So there's it's a really tough it's tough like how do you value stand up? Mhm. Right? How do you uh, how do you put a price on it? It's it's tough. Right. So you kind of have to do your own thing. You have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be your own business person too. So you have to learn that part of stand up. Has that part of stand up not been as fun to learn? It's the fucking worst. I love business. I, I get very excited with business deals and business in general. Okay. That stuff excites me, but I don't like mixing it with my comedy because I love comedy and I know I, I really enjoy it. Right. It seems like, like you're, you're unpurifying it. It's like you're tainting it. You're tainting it. You just let me be myself. You know what I mean? 
but you can't. You, you, I mean, you can. You be yourself for sure. But I mean, like, you can't. Business is different. Business is not art. I mean, there is an art to business, I guess, but you get what I mean. Like, you, you have to be more. There's a, I don't know. It, it sucks the fun out of it. It makes yeah. you not enjoy it as much. Yeah. Because you're like, oh god, I have to deal with being treated like a piece of shit. Like I'm an adult. You know, I don't want to be treated like shit. I'm not 21 anymore. I don't have the patience I had when I was 21. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, like, yeah, that kind of sucks the fun out of it sometimes. Sometimes. But then I think about it and I'm like, well, I mean, you could just go work at a regular job. That'd be way fucking worse. Right? Like, and not not saying that it's wor- but, like, this is the worst you have to put up with is that you get irritated with the business side of it. Like, who gives a fuck? Right, right. Yeah, you, you know? still get to tell jokes. Yeah. You get to tell jokes. Like just you get go to make do people your laugh. jokes. Yeah. Just go get your fucking stupid joke money. <laughs> That's how I keep myself in check. But yeah. Um the fuck are we going on? Oh. I don't know. I, ju- I want to see this area get even bigger. And I think it's coming. Because I do think the money's coming because now people there's people coming out of college now who are marketers. And if you're a business person and a marketer and you're not looking at comedy right now, you're a fucking idiot. Hmm. And and not even just comedy, but live events in general. You're right, a fucking right. idiot. Right. You, you can make so much money because people want shit to do. And people got money because we're in this right now. Like people are working. Whether whatever we think of the country and how fucked up it is and all that shit, people got money. Right, right. We're right. back in a good position again Mm -hmm. people got 20 bucks to go spend on a comedy show if you know how to market it correctly right which means you could pay the goddamn talent a decent wage you know what i mean you just have to know how to do that so i think we're going to get a wave of all these young people who who are like us for instance who love stand-up who now they want to run their own shit yeah but we're the product yeah yeah i mean i I, I know I'm going I, deep, deep, but no, but I, I constantly think of, of like, I'm, you know, I work a day job, so I'm in a cubicle, yeah. I'm doing my job and I do a good yeah, job, yeah, but yeah. I'm constantly thinking of like, you know, cause I promote my little shows. I promote my podcast. I'm constantly of thinking of like, how can I get, how can I get direction towards my, you know, how can I get my piece of this? And, and all right, I got this many likes, I got this many followers, I got this many, but what is that really? And then I, but then I got to remind myself, okay, wait, why are you doing this? Cause you love to get up on stage and tell jokes. Correct. Because you love to talk to people. So it's hard to find like to divide your time wisely between the two, because you need one to, you need, you need, you need them to coexist. Right. Cause but, again, we live in an expensive ass place <laughs> and you need to make money. Right. <clears throat> Where it's like, I'm even like, all right, I can't afford to take an Uber to tonight. You know, I need to drive. I need to Ugh. do this, you know, it's. I always tell people that too. It costs so much yeah. money or to how much be a stand up. How much do they want for a damn Facebook ad? You know, and just like things like that. You know, like yeah, it's but. crazy. So yeah, it, and yeah, it's really tough to balance. That's why, like, I prefer just to be booked. Yeah, but I've been throwing my own show since I started stand up. Mm-hmm. My first time. I mean, I was throwing my own shows. I was. I remember my first year of stand up. I did a show. At a play, and I made like, shit, we probably made like fourteen, fifteen hundred. Really, in your first year? Yes, on one show, one night. 
Wow. Because they're selling tickets. People knew who I was mm-hmm. in town, small town. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then not just that, but like people would just come to a con- Why would they not come try it out? Exactly. For 10 bucks? Get the fuck. What, $10? See, we, the biggest problem too is as comics, we undervalue ourselves too. Exactly. We think I see that a lot it's of that. not worth it. But you got to remember, but the, here's the, because here's the problem. And I, and I'm guilty of this. I was doing shows with people and then, I, but like the people were coming to see me, they liked me already. So they were having a good time, but I wasn't as, and I'm still not. I still don't think I, I there's still a piece of me that was like, you're not ready. You know what I mean? That's how hard yeah. I'm carving at this bitch. But like, I think people coming in for fucking, you know, 10 bucks, like it puts value on it. So now you need a valuable product, you know, and you could, that could turn people away if that's their first comedy show and it's a bunch of open micers. Yeah. And it's, and it's run sloppy and it's run sloppy and it's shit. Right. You know, people are going to be like, oh fuck, you know, it could turn some people away, but maybe the five people that really loved it, like I said, They'll stick around forever because they're like, I had a great time. This fucking right. guy was amazing. And they'll tell a couple of friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, I, I yeah. But I think that I, I want to see comics getting paid more fairly. And I think that that's hopefully coming. Because it already is happening with some of us. Some of us are getting paid okay. I uh-huh. think we deserve more. But my thing is there's so many comics here that have the talent and have the material already. We just need more people. Yo, bring the crowd. Because that's what we've been training for. Bring the crowd. Right, right. Now, a lot of us are transitioning to, I want my own fans. You know what I mean? Like me, I feel like I I have people that come and see me. In Modesto, I can sell seats. Okay. Still, to this day, since I started. Uh-huh. When I do the Gallo Center, it sells out. Okay. I can get 400 people through the door to pay Really? To, get to come see me. That love me. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not easy. That's not a lot easy. of people. That's a lot of that's people. That's a lot of motherfuckers. 444, which mm-hmm. ironically is Jay-Z's last album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Back to Jay-Z. Back to Jay. I can always equate it. 444 comes up in my life a lot. Um, it's also the address of the San Francisco punchline. Really? It's 444 Battery Street. <laughs> How now, crazy is that? Now I'm going to be looking for it. It comes up all the time. Um I'm not a numerology guy, but whatever. I guess I am in that sense. Um, but I think I, I hope that we start getting paid more, like more money starts coming around because that's what keep us going. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps us going is that, like we need to live. So that's why it's not disrespectful and com- like when it's cheap money, because, again, there's it depends on the situation. Nobody's paying to get in. You know, nobody's making money. If nobody's making money, then okay. But if you're making a bunch of fucking money and you're giving us $10, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not cool with. I really like, um, I've been at a couple of like really small shows and like, you know that it didn't pull like a lot, Mm -hmm. but I'll still see like a promoter pay a comic like five bucks. Something. Something, you know, and it's, and it's more like. It's a handshake and a pat on the back. It's more of a thank. You know what I'm saying? No, than, yeah, yeah, than yeah. Like, Absolutely. Then like, you know, he made $30 or she made $30 and she split it with six people. Like, instead of saying, well, it cost me 20 to promote it. And, you know, yeah, I took yeah. an Uber here. And I that, lost money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the, the first couple of shows I put on, I was like, I'm going to lose money. Like, I'm yeah. I'm okay with it. Like, I like, I I look at it like, look, I don't, I don't drink, you know, like this, yeah. this is what I would spend on beer. 
like this is this is my entertainment but correct but i want to put on a good show and i want to pay the comics like i remember the open mic i ran the guy would give me i think it was like 40 bucks to put the open mic on Uh uh-huh and he's making money off the drinks obviously but he's selling fucking dollar beers so he's he ain't making shit either right you know what i mean but he's and i didn't care as a kid i was working i just wanted to just do Mm stand-up the fact that he would give me 40 dollars every tuesday just to have people there right yeah and this was again like back in the day this is not the way social media was used the way it is now i guess but you know we would get people to just come and come hang out right on so yeah it's i mean there's money to be made in stand-up we just sell ourselves very short but i think i think we have somehow like a cultural value says a little bit like you know for me, I've been doing it a while. Or I know a lot of comics that have accomplished a lot of things in stand-up. But no, the, the, the regular person who doesn't know shit about stand-up doesn't care about any of that. They don't care that I was a finalist in festivals. That like, that doesn't mean shit to them. Right. They're right. like, what, what does that mean? I never heard of these stupid things. You know, but it's like, yeah, well, you don't get it. But they're big deals to us in stand-up. So yeah. that has some type of social or that has like some type of cultural clout i guess whatever the fuck you'd call it yeah i, I was i was looking at your at your bio and i and i was like holy shit he did sketch fest oh no, yeah not sketch fest the, the other one um skank fest no the oh. one in san francisco the international comedy competition um I yeah sketch that. fest is one of them well it was sketch fest but it yeah, was I've done the, sketch fest yeah well and it's crazy i didn't even do that one until way later i never applied for it i applied for it way later in doing stand i was like eight years in uh-huh Cluster Fest. Did you do Cluster? Oh, yeah, I did Cluster That's Fest last one. year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was amazing in front of 600 people. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, Cluster Fest last year was amazing. That's the one that I like, was blew the, me away. I that's was the a closer. newer festival. And I was the closer of the show. Really? I was the, not the headliner. I won't say headliner, but I was the closer. And how did you how did you get that show? Like, did you have to submit? Because that wasn't. No, through the Comedy Psycho guys in the Bay Area. They're like a young group that's fucking okay. killing. And they're just, they they got in i don't mm-hmm. know they got in and they were like we want anthony to do our thing we love him okay and i was honored that they asked me yeah because that was huge you know what i mean to do Clusterfest. like yeah i did Clusterfest. i've done that i mean i did big sky comedy festival have you ever heard of big sky i've heard of it yeah Okay, so big sky is a big one that's been like they're still kind of newer but they are i love it was one of my favorite festivals i've ever done Easily. And mm-hmm. I made it to the finals in that one. And it was in Montana. It was a three-day-long festival wow. slash competition. Those are the ones that are hard to... I came up in a lot of comedy competitions. I think that's the difference about what's going on now. There's not so much competitions, just festivals now. Because there's so many comedians that can Yeah, that's money. true, huh? Like I like when I listen to the podcast, they talk about like the the competitions back, like the Johnny Walker competition that used to be big, like in the like you know, like in the nineties. Yeah, but um. But yeah, now it's like that's like kind of leaning towards festivals. But maybe that's also kind of like what you were hinting at that like now people need to market it differently. Correct. Well, festivals for sure. The fact that festival marketing works because look at these festivals. Okay, they're putting on they're putting on shows where some of these festivals, the good ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, Big Sky. When you make it to the finals, you're in front of a you're in front of a thousand people. The finals. Shit, that's a lot of people. You do a theater of a thousand, and I've done multiple shows in front of a thousand. And those are something else. You know what I mean? But when you do those, it's like, yo, how much money are they making? You feel me? Like spread that money out. Yeah. But in this case for Big Sky, they're making a lot of, I mean, they do pay. Like I made, I I paid for my trip. 
and a little extra. Uh-huh. But that's because I took third place. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what's crazy? You know who was in my thing? Do you um do you watch or listen to Kill Tony? Um no. At no, all. No. Okay, I don't really either, but my buddy Jeremiah Watkins is part of the the wave. Uh, or actually the wave was the shit on Jeff Ross. Mm-hmm. Um that was that roast show or whatever that was on Comedy Central. He was part of that group where they were like hella crazy. Whatever. But I met that dude. We were just a big sky together. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I was the only comic, I think, my year that had no TV credit. Like, these motherfuckers are monsters. Yeah, yeah. Killers, you know? So I always tell comics, too, if you ever want to do festivals, get your fucking tight 10 yeah. where you kill consistently with 10 minutes mm-hmm. and do festivals. You will meet so many people, so many comics. They're like networking. It's like they're like business mixers. Mm-hmm. You know, and then but then you get to see you get to see where you match up too. Okay, because these motherfuckers are from all over and they're hungry. Right, right. They're looking for agents. You know what I mean? They're looking for big Scott. I mean, all the late night bookers are there. Really? Oh yeah, all the late night bookers are there. Uh huh. All the ones that like Fallon, um, fucking um, you know Conan, things shit like that. I mean, they're there. They're watching the stand. They're watching the shows. You know what I mean? They only pick sixteen comics. They get like five hundred submissions. And it's insane. Wow. So it's a real prestigious like thing. But a lot of people don't. I mean, again, this is the only things comics care about. Right, right. You tell another, you tell a person this, and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah, well, no, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just hope that finally these fucking, the same people who market like that understand that they could put on those shows anywhere and just bring the best stand-ups. Right. You could have a three-man team sell out theaters. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to work on right now is my own tour. After I do this, I'm I'm headlining again in November at the Gallo Center in Modesto. In November? November 14th, yeah. Okay. So I want to then take that and try to take it on the road to other small towns. Why not? Right. Again, we live in the era where like, well, what do I need? I need to try to get on TV to get like a TV credit, but also I just have to be good enough to entertain a group. Right. Well, I think I can do that now. Yeah. I think, yeah, I've seen you do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think I can do it good for 40 minutes, mm-hmm. 45 minutes. And I mean, well, I think I can do it. So that's what I'm focusing on now. And like, but these, I'm hoping other people get involved and start saying like, wow, we can just throw our own comedy shows. Who are the best comics? Let's make some money. You guys want to make money? You know, we got We can get 800 people into a room. That's all you need. You just need somebody who can get 800 people into a room in a town. And then you got the funny. Exactly. We got the product. Right. We right. got the product. You just get the motherfuckers into the room. Yeah. So comedy just needs the, a, a wave of Rick Rubens and a, a wave of Russell Simmons, a wave of... Feel me? Yeah. Real producers. Yeah. Who are not, hungry? Who are, deta- who are just as hungry? Who are and, hungry and detached from being stand up and and college educated, like you said. You said you're, you're in all these. They're coming out of college. Right. And they're marketers. They have all these marketing and business degrees. That they don't know what the fuck to do with. Right, and that's like if you look at that wave of hip hop, that's what that was. Come like, on, yes, the conscious one motherfuckers were coming out of college. Right, right. They're that's where they met. Right. Yes, with yeah. other like minded people. I think we're on to something, man. We're on to something. If you could... Come on. 800... Listen. I'm t- this is to anyone out there listening. If you know how to get 800 people in a room... And I'm using... I'm being exaggeratory here, obviously. But, I mean, whatever. If you can shoot for the moon. But I'm saying, like, you do that at $20 a ticket, that's $16,000. Mm-hmm. 
then you're and you're you're, you're vouching that there's comics out here that could can put on a people. can make that crowd that's making sixteen thousand dollars remember that night for the rest of their life. I, I I'm Do willing it. to put my name on the line for it, and Doable. I'm willing to know the comics I know that can murder that room. Yep. Now, if it's 200 every now and then, whatever, but you know how to do it. There's marketers out there that know how to do that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm try- I mean, I want to do it for my Well, they're doing that. They're doing that with like with 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 parties, they're doing that with like raves, they're doing that, right? But there's yeah, there's got to be a way to do it with comedy, definitely. And there is. The money's there. It's right. already there. Yeah. It's just how we figure out now. How how do we figure this out? This is how to take that street corner. Take that like street. Like Nino Brown. Exactly. How do we get it? Right. Cause I want it. Then there's the middle class. Then there's the, okay, I can live. I could buy a house with this bitch. Yeah. You know, because if you're making sixteen thousand as a comic, I'm not tripping if you make nine thousand. That's okay, cause I didn't have to bring nobody. You feel me? And then you spread that other, spread that other money the fuck around. Yeah. And we can make money. It's like it's not nobody's losing in this situation. The crowd's getting a fucking great show. Mm-hmm. They're having a good time. You made a bunch of money, and now we usually it's somebody with deep pockets too. That's the other thing. There's got to be that seed money. You got to have the seed money, right? You got to. I hear that. But I think that's it's already here and it's on its way, even more because well, even at a smaller level, it's going to keep happening. Well, that's exciting to that's exciting to hear, man. For real. That's uh, exciting yeah. to hear. Maybe yeah. I'm just being optimistic. I don't know. No, nah, well, that's a good way to be. <laughs> well, hey, man. All right, yeah, I know we've talked. A I want to thank you for, uh, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm I'm still like just ecstatic that this even happened. Um, oh, okay, cool. yeah, definitely. Uh, always wanted to. I always thought I'd, I'd see you at a show and and would get to shoot the breeze a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah. But I I got a little bit spoiled and I got you one on one in this podcast and. And this is uh, great. you really talked about a lot of things that I was kind of hoping you were going to talk about. Like, oh, okay. You kind of validated a lot of the thoughts that I had about this, this scene. Yeah. And, uh, and, a, and a handful of comics that are, that are coming up right now and everybody kind of helping each other out. And, uh, it's really great to hear it. And it's real, it's real inspiring to hear. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Is there anything that you wanted to ask me that I didn't get to? No, no, oh, okay, no. Okay. Okay. Like okay. No, oh, no. Man. I was, I was, I'm really, I really enjoyed the, uh, I'm gonna have to jump back into Jay Z's catalog. You got to. Well, I definitely want to read the the book. I'm reading the Prince book right now. Okay. I'm reading the Prince book right now, and okay. uh, I think I'll do the Jay Z book next. Read it. It's a All fucking right. great read. Michael Eric Dyson. I will do that. It's such a good read. All right, bro. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Yep. Take care. Hey, man. That's the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you laughed a little bit. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope you come back. Peace. Take care of one another.